Welcome to the Military Child Education Coalition podcast, the show that illuminates a wide range of challenges and triumphs our military-connected kids experience. My name is David Perez-Guerra, and I'll be your host today. This show was made possible thanks to the support from the Texas Education Agency. Today, we welcome Nikki Harrison, an educator with MSEC and also a member of the webinar team. Hey, Nikki, thank you for joining us today. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your role with MSEC? Thank you so much for having me here. Well, I have been with MSEC since 2018, so I'm coming up on my fifth anniversary. I'm really excited about that. And I am an educator, of course, so I love what I do and supporting our military-connected children. And I've been a part of the military community for a long time. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to always um, do anything to support our students. So recently, you did a webinar called MIC3 or MIC3, Helps Mill Kids Stay on Track to Graduate on Time. Can you tell us a little bit about that webinar and also your guest, Lindsay Dablow? Yeah, the webinar really was about having our military kids stay on track to graduate on time, utilizing that Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission. And the commission really is all about supporting our military children that are transferring between those school districts and states, addressing some of those key educational transition issues. Lindsay is fantastic. She works for MC3 and really has a background in policy and nonprofit management. Her current role, though, is that she's the training and operations associate. So she's all about promoting those successful educational transitions for our military students around the world. So following the webinar, there was a brief Q&A between Nikki and Lindsay Dablo. Let's take a few minutes to listen to that. If you do not live near an installation or base, Can you still get assistance for your student? I know a lot of our families, um, some live in remote locations where they're not near a military installation. Um, Can they still get assistance for their students? Yeah, absolutely. Um, They can still reach out to the school liaison or the compact commissioner in that state because, you know, our commissioners are not for one area. Um, they will serve anyone within that state. And some states don't have school liaison officers. So in those instances, yes, you definitely want to reach out to that compact commissioner or this, if there is a school liaison in some states, for instance, um, I'm going to say Montana, and I hope I'm not misquoting myself. They have one school liaison officer for the whole state, it's kind of like a compact commissioner. So in those cases, yes, absolutely um, contact them. And honestly, even if you contact a school liaison where you came from, so let's say you were in Kentucky and now you're in Texas, um, and you can't get a hold of the Texas school liaison, call the school liaison where you came from because they're going to reach out to their colleague and say, hey, you've got a family that needs help. So there are so many ways to get assistance. And I would always tell parents, do not, again, do not wait to figure it out for yourself. Like, that's why we're here. We're going to tell you if it's compact related or not. But 80% of our commissioners are in the education field. And so even if it's not compact related, we're going to refer you to someone. So we're not just going to be like, well, <laughs> sorry, you you know, you don't know what Article 5 is, so you don't get help. You know, we're going to definitely reach out and help those families. So, yes, they, they can contact us. They can contact the compact commissioner. They can contact the school liaison, no matter where they're located. Okay, so we have another great question. What do you do if your student's at a school that does not know what MIC-3 is? I know a little bit earlier in the presentation, you talked about that great interactive map that you can locate 
the commissioner. Is that something that you would advise to do in this situation? So I would um, say to reach out first, always, because you want to try to keep it local, reach out to that school liaison, because if this, let's say, for instance, um, this has happened a lot because the housing market has exploded. So in Kentucky, we have Fort Knox, but we have some service members who are residing in Louisville or Jefferson County, which is an hour and a half away from Fort Knox. So Jefferson County itself does not have a, is not highly impacted by military families. So you're getting caught. We are getting calls from schools who are saying, I had a parent show up and they're mentioning this. I don't know what it is. Um, can you help me? So yes, absolutely. Reach out to that school liaison because your family um, is stationed at and serving in this location, but maybe because of for various reasons, living farther away. Um, and that's fine. They're going to reach out and contact that school and say, hey, um, I, you have one of our families and here's the deal. They're military. Um, they do fall under coverage under this commission and they're going to provide them with the information. Um, a lot of times it's just making them aware. Now, if as a family, you you can't get a hold of the the school liaison, definitely reach out to that compact commissioner or reach out to us at the national office. We're going to put you in contact with them. We will give you the resources. Usually it's just educating the school that we exist. And unfortunately, um, we, we try every year, um, you know, we provide multiple trainings, not only uh, virtually every month for anyone who wants to attend them, but we do school-specific trainings. We participate in various workshops, trying to educate and inform, but it's a slow process. I mean, we are in, um, it's very exciting, MSEC is in their 25th year, but we are only in our 15th, you know, and so we're a fairly new organization out there helping military-connected families. So we're still in the phase of educating people on what the commission does and doesn't cover, but again, if you encounter an issue with a, with a school and they just need education or they just need to understand what the compact is, you know, you can always give them one of our resources. The parent guide is great. But, you know, again, I, I know from my position, if I was just being handed something, I would be like, I don't know that I've never heard of this. Does it apply? Um, we're definitely reach out and provide that little, you know, introduction of who we are and how we can assist not only the military family, but your school, right? Because a lot of the provisions are not just good for military students, like they're good practices for all students that come in and out of school systems. So we definitely want to have that opportunity. Great. Thank you for that. Because I know I encountered that myself. Yeah, a lot um, of families do, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, I know. It just did. They didn't have a large military connected student population. So they just had never heard of it before, um, which happens. I know you talked about the eligibility. Is this for children of veterans too? So there is the coverage of one year. So a service member who separates from service um, is the family is covered for one year. I actually had a call not too long ago and the, the parent was like, I don't have an issue. I just want to know we are, you know, my service member is retiring and we are going to transition in the next four months because they wanted to finish out the school year and then transition. And they, their question was, am, am I covered if I don't move immediately? So you've got that year of coverage. Um, we did encounter a couple cases this past year. Well, I say a couple, um, two, where the service, the family stayed, but they stayed outside the year of the one, the one year coverage. Um, that's, it's a little bit harder to assist in those situations. So again, I would, if you have that plan, like you're going to stick around for a period of time, I would definitely start those conversations before before you actually go into retirement, but you've got that one year of coverage that you can use to get your student unenrolled and then re-enrolled in your, in your final record. It is important to note that, um, you know, after the year, after you've moved, 
and you're settled, um, if you move again, the reason we don't cover that second move or third move is you're no longer having to move based on orders. So it's important to understand that the compact applies to the order. So your family's being ordered to move from California to Rhode Island. I'm in that situation. That's why the compact is there. That's why the coverage exists. So once you retire, or unfortunately, if a family member passes away while on active duty, um, that's why it's no longer covered under the compact, because you're no longer moving due to orders, you're moving by choice. And so then it becomes something a little bit different for military families, but you do get that one year. Great. Thank you so much. I appreciate that um, for answering that. And I know that we are a recently retired um, veteran family. So um, it is something that you have to navigate during that window of time that you have. Um, okay. So if you have uh, maybe an issue that's um, come up, what exactly is MIC3's case resolution process? Like, is there, you know, do you go to a certain person first and then it kind of goes up? Um, there is. We, we always ask families, so I'll just do it from the family's perspective. When a, when a family calls us, and we work 50 to 80 cases a year. So um, if you contact us, our first question is always, have you spoken to the, let's say educational wise, have you spoken to the teacher, the principal, the superintendent? Because again, working it out the lowest level is the most efficient, effective for the student, right? Because ultimately our whole goal, what we think of when we work cases is there is a student or a child on the other end of this that is waiting for the determination, right? Am I going to have to retake this class? Um, am I going to be allowed into this program? So we don't want to make that student wait too long. So our first question is always, what have you done locally? And, you know, for parents, a lot of times they're like, I've tried to explain the compact <laughs> and God bless you, because, you know, sometimes I stutter over what the compact is. So, you know, um, they're like, I've tried to explain the compact and I'm still I'm hitting a roadblock. I, I think this applies now. We'll determine first, is it compact related? Like, do we have the authority in this situation to say, hey, you do have to do X, Y and Z. And then once we kind of work through that, we ask, have you worked it at the lowest level? If they have, um, then our next question is, have you contacted the school liaison? Have you contacted the compact commissioner? Because um, there are three of us at the national office. So there's no way we can keep up with all 50 states rules and regulations on education. So we rely heavily on the school liaisons and on the compact commissioners to resolve those cases and work them because they know within their states what they can and cannot do outside of the compact as well as within the compact. So they kind of have the best of both worlds as far as knowledge goes. Um, if at that point, let's say, um, and this is um, what is, we had two cases this past year where the commissioner contacted us on behalf of the parent said, you know, a parent contacted me, I've worked this case, and the school is not budging, and it is definitely compact related. At that point, when we're invited in, so we don't just go, you know, straight to, well, you know, we're going to tell you what to do. <laughs> we, again, we try to work it out at that that lowest level. Then we come in and we say, okay, you know, do you need assistance? And our first form of assistance is always education. So it's always letting the school know, you know, this is where in your state statute, the compact legislation is. This is a law in your state. It clearly states that under the conditions of X, Y, and Z, um, public schools are required to do this for military connected students. If that fails, um, and, you know, we, we do it more than just one way, but if that fails, if education fails, then our next recourse is we do have general counsel that we keep on retainer as the commission. We bring them in, we make them aware of the situation, 
Um, you know, we have that conversation with both the family, the compact commissioner and the school liaison. So all parties have to want to pursue this again, you know, um, I, we do encounter families and rightfully so who are worried about, you know, will, will my, will something, you know, will my student be looked down on or treated differently if we push this issue with the school system? And I understand those fears and you as a family have to have that discussion and determine if in the situation you feel like you, your student, you know, wants this, you're the only one that can answer that question. We, we can't answer if the student, you know, wants us to pursue something. So we rely on the family to kind of, we follow their lead. If they feel like this is definitely something that, for instance, in the case last year, um, the family had chosen the public school, had bought their house based on the public school offering a certain program. Um, the school wanted the student to repeat a course that they had taken that had been recognized on their transcripts for two different schools. Um, and it just so happened that the class they wanted the student to retake would conflict with this program. The student was a junior, so they were going to spend the next two years unable to participate in the program uh, for the reason they went to the school, simply because the school did not feel this course met their requirement. It was proven that the course did meet their requirement. So then, because the parent was willing to kind of support us moving forward and the compact commissioner wanted us to move forward, then we did involve general counsel and we had that conversation. The school would not budge. And at that point, we said, well, our next form is litigation. You know, if we've had the conversations and you're simply not going to abide by what's in your own state statute, then our recourse is litigation. But it is the final step. And I will tell you that in the case that I was just talking about, it took a year to get that resolved. And so, that comes into play too for that student, right? Because if that's a student that's a senior, they don't have a year. And so that's why I'm always saying local level, working it out there is the best. You know, if you have the year to give. Now, what was fortunate there is before it actually went to litigation, the school finally said, okay, you know what, we're, we're going to, as long as the family is fine with it, we're going to be fine with it. Um, you know, that's not the acknowledgement of the compact I would like to have happen. <laughs> but at that point, the student is getting what they needed. They're going to get to be in that program. They're going to get to participate. And so really the family's concern has been resolved. But just know that there are a lot of factors that go into litigation for us. It's not simply just a, um, you know, full steam ahead approach. We do try to work it out that lowest level. We provide the opportunity for the school liaison and the compact commissioner to, you know, do their job and really have those conversations and educate. And then when we are invited in, we definitely will come in and support the compact in, in the way that we need to. Great. Thank you so much for answering that. And I think this was all wonderful information. Um, I think the more that MIC3 Commission kind of gets out there and, and individuals are more informed about it, including schools and districts, I think you know, I think it makes it a little bit easier process. I think most schools really want the best interest um, for their students as well. Nikki, we appreciate you taking some time to join us today. That was a really informative discussion between you and Lindsay Dablo. Is there anything else you would like to tell our listeners before we sign off? Yes, I'd love to mention that we are so looking forward to Lindsay joining us this summer at our Global Training Summit in Washington, D.C. It'll be July 24th through the 26th, and we are just really excited for this event. And I'd also like to mention that in July, we have another webinar that will be moving to Texas and MIC3 with Shelly Ramos, who is the Texas State Commissioner. So we're really excited about that as well.
Thank you for being with us today, Nikki. Thank you. I really appreciate Nikki joining us for this podcast. The insights she and Lindsay Dabble shared will be invaluable to military families everywhere. If you're interested in watching the entire webinar mentioned in this podcast, the link will be included in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the MSEC Podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. If you enjoyed this episode, like, share, and subscribe. And don't forget to leave us a comment to let us know the topics you want to hear more about. We'd like to give a special thanks again to the Texas Education Agency for supporting this episode. And we hope you will too by giving today's show a five-star rating. For more information about MSEC programs, go to militarychild.org. I'm David Perez-Guerra, and until next time, thank you for supporting the Military Child Education Coalition.